My name is Jim Cook, one of the pastor elders here of this church. I've been here at the inception of this church. In fact, last week was our 11-year anniversary. (laughs) Yeah. It is cool to look back on the 11 years on how God has brought us to this point and where we're at right now. My full-time job is a paramedic firefighter for the city of San Jose. I am married to my wonderful wife, Jenny, of 21 years, and it's been a blessing. I do have... Three wonderful kids, uh, Travis, Tori, and Sadie. Um, they're here. You probably see them running around, and, and uh, they're a blessing as well. First and foremost, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the one who encapsulates me. He enraptures me. Jesus says, drink of my blood, eat of my flesh. More and more, I'm beginning to understand. I mean, being fully enraptured with who he is, letting the power of the Holy Spirit just resonate in my life and into the, the lives of others. You know what, though? It always hasn't been that way. And I'll take you back, uh, when I was 15 years old, I remember sitting in the church, uh, the pews of the church that I was growing up in. And I remember sitting there and thinking, you know what, when I get older, I'm not going to go to church anymore. You know, it wasn't some type of theological conundrum I was dealing with. It wasn't the people that I didn't like, because of course, it was my family and friends. Uh, really, you know what it was though? It was just I saw the blatant hypocrisy of coming to church on a Sunday, confessing my sins I did last week, knowing that I'm going to continue to do those sins. And I thought, you know, why? and it wasn't just me. It was my leaders that were doing it as well. And I thought, why go to church? And and, and just know, I didn't know Jesus at the time. And and, uh, it was just this kind of weird, you know, why go to church if that's all it's going to be? Anyways, fast forward a couple years, 17 years old. I worked at a Kirk Steak Burgers in Cupertino. Anybody familiar? Yeah, okay. Uh, some tasty burgers. Um, but uh, I met one of my coworkers. His name was Tim. Uh, yeah, he was kind of a religious guy, a Jesus freak. Uh, we mocked him quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I got to say he was a man of character, integrity, and honesty. I never really saw that in the church, per se, that I grew up in. It's not a slam or slander. Maybe I just didn't know. But um, here's a guy who's very unassuming. I mean, he, he lived his life to the tilt. And he knew uh, he lived a very unassuming life as well. And, and um, he didn't regard things of the world. But really where it was, it was his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was something that he constantly preached to me. And um, how many of you guys heard the four spiritual laws? Yeah, so it's a way to kind of introduce people and how to have a personal relationship with God. And, and uh, it's just, you know, just as there's physical laws that govern our relationship with the world, so are there spiritual laws that govern our relationship with God. He persistently, he shared with me these four spiritual laws. And, and uh, you know, my thought was, you know, that's cool, Tim, but... As long as you, as long as, whatever you believe, it's alright, as long as you believe sincerely. You know, and, and you shouldn't really push your beliefs on me, although I'm pushing my beliefs on him, not to push my, his beliefs. But, um, he really challenged me. He challenged me with several questions, and one of the questions that he challenged me with is, what's the authority in what you believe in? Why do you believe what you believe? It's a valid question, because everyone has all these different beliefs. Why is my belief more reliable, more valid than anybody else's belief? Well, another question that he, he asked me, at, of course, sharing the four spiritual laws and, and knowing, well, um, if, if, 
Jesus Christ is who he says he is, the historical person that he is, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, he paid for the penalty of our sins, he reserved a place for us in heaven, and declared to be the Son of God by him raising from the dead. The question he asked me, if, if that is the truth, if I were to die tonight, would I be in eternity in hell? The depths of darkness, a pit of, of eternal of bliss for, forever? Or would I be in heaven with Jesus? And full well, knowing that I hadn't lived up to the standard of God, I knew, I knew that if I were to die at that very moment, that I, I would be spending eternity in hell. I grappled with this. Um, of course, like I said, what's the reliability of it? Why should I believe in that? You know, everyone has a, seems to have their own way. And, and um, you know, I thought about it for a couple weeks, and maybe it was months. And I remember the night in my bed, and I, I gave my life, I contemplated but I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was 17 years old. And it's a decision I've never regretted. I've never looked back on. Um, I just thank you. I mean, it really brought to me the severity of God's warning of my wrath and my unbelief in Christ. But it, you know what? It led me to the kindness of God with the hope of eternity in Christ Jesus. And it's in Christ alone that is, that is who we are. And, and you know, it brings us to his passage today. We talk about the kindness and severity of God. Uh, we're, we're in the study of, of the book of Romans. We call it colossal truth. I mean, you can wonder why it's so colossal. There's a lot to Romans. Um, and uh, we're, today we're going to be looking at the kindness and severity of God in regards to the, the Jews, the, is, the nation of Israel, and in regards to us, basically, the Gentiles. Um, and, and Dave spoke about a couple weeks ago, or through this series, he's been looking at the attributes of God, and it's like two sides of a coin, right? You look at a quarter, it's heads and tails. You, you can't just have one or the other. You can't just, oh, I'll take heads all the time, or I'll take hail, tails. And it's just like the kindness and severity of God. Uh, you can't have one or the other. Old te- people think, oh, Old Testament, God's a mean God. Uh, New Testament, he's nice. No, God has is, is always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. The kindness of God reveals His severity, and it's the severity of God reveals His kindness, and so on. Uh, so, if you want to open up uh, chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, this is the second stanza of our trilogy of, of chapter 11 in Romans. Dave will be sp- finishing up next week. But, um, if you remember a couple weeks ago, Dave spoke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And, uh, get this here. That's showing up there. Two questions that we look at, the main questions here in chapter 11. And Dave spoke about one of them last week. And it was really, what, what about the rejection of the Jews? Have they been rejected by God? And of course, uh, we talked about that. And we go through it. And, and uh, the answer is, by no means, meganoita, as Dave says. And that's a Greek word, by the way. <laughs> Dave didn't make that up, but... Uh, and it's an emphatic word. I mean, it's by no means God has not rejected. And Paul even goes on to say, he's all, look, I am an Israelite myself. I am a Jew myself. God has even left a remnant. He talks about Elijah, and he's left a remnant of his people. Um, and he even says here in verse 7, it continues on, and, and uh, it says, has God rejected his people? By no means, of course not. In verse 7, we read, what then has Israel failed to obtain? Has it failed to obtain what it is seeking? 
Now to those, to the elect, they've obtained it. To the elect are those that believe in Jesus Christ. But the rest that did not believe in Jesus, the rest of the Jews that rejected Jesus Christ, they were hardened. And so today we're going to pick up the second question that we have here is dealing with Israel's ruin. Uh, the first question is really dealing with the character of God. It's His faithfulness to His people. So we're looking at the character of God. The second question is the same thing. Uh, we're going to look at the character of God and, and um, the ruin of the Israelites. But let's go pray before we get into this. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that goes before us to prepare a path for us to walk in. I pray this morning for the people here and myself that we be filled with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that each of us would walk in a manner worthy of you, bearing fruit with every good work and, and uh, just fully pleasing you, Lord, attaining to the full knowledge of you, who you are, strengthened with your power as we walk the, this life with endurance, patience, and joy. And not only that, Father, but that those believers in Christ here, that we would truly know the inheritance that we have in you and that we have only been qualified by faith alone in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you cloak your servant now, that as your word goes forth, um, just do a mighty work. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you haven't, let's open up to Romans 11, uh, 11 to 24. I'll be reading out the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead. There should be one in front of you. So go ahead, open it up. I want you to stay with me here. This is kind of, it's a tough passage. Um, so let's get into it. Verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Again, by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order to somehow make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered his first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. That's faith through Christ alone. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God, the severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? I just want to give you a little bit of setting. Uh, first of all, if you just guys understand here... Um, 
So the early church was Jewish, right? I mean, Jesus was a Jew. He came from the lineage of, of Judah, the line of the Jews, um, from the Israelite nation. This, this was their Messiah. This was all the promises. This is what they labored for. All the feasts, the circumcisions, all the traditions. This is what they were looking for, the Messiah. Uh, this was theirs. Jesus was Jewish. Uh, his disciples, his apostles were Jewish. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 repented. They were Jewish. So this was theirs, right? But it says that some attained it. Some believed in Jesus Christ, but eventually there was a hardening. Uh, Apostle Paul, he was Jewish. He, he, in fact, he persecuted the Jews at first, and and uh, but then he, he had the vision of Jesus Christ, and he came to saving faith in Jesus. And and uh, but then eventually it came to a halt where he's preaching to the Jews, and they wouldn't have it anymore. In Acts thirteen forty four through forty eight, I don't have it on the screen, but listen up here. It says, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And the crowd began to contradict what was spoken by Paul. They were reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be salvation to the ends of the earth. You can imagine when the Gentiles heard this, and this is still speaking here, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as it were appointed to eternal life, those were the ones that have believed. Now imagine the conflict. Here is Paul. We read earlier... Um, in chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, that Paul wishes he was accursed from, from, uh, cut off from Jesus Christ's own kinsmen. He knew, he knew the power of Jesus Christ. He wished so much that he was cut off from Jesus that his people would understand that this is their Messiah. So the conflict is, is here, yes, the Gentiles now have been given salvation and they rejoiced. Here's a people who don't know anything about God. They didn't do any of the traditions, none of the circumcision or the feasts. But yet now they're rejoicing in a Savior, Jesus Christ. How wonderful that must have been for Paul. Uh, but now we, we look to the book of Romans. Fast forward 20 years, about 20 years or so after the death of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul's in Macedonia. He's writing this letter to the churches. He knows there's this tension in the church. There's a mix of believing Jews. There's a mix of believing Gentiles in the church. And, and I think kind of leadership changed from the early church of being Jewish to being Gentile. And, and now you got the Gentiles in charge, and, and uh, the, the question was here, like, the Jews were saying, hey, we need to keep the traditions, we need to be circumcised, and the Gentiles are saying, I don't think so, like, no, this ain't going to happen here. Um, and, and the Jerusalem Council, it's in Acts 15, 1 through 29, you, you want to jot that down, it's a, it's a fascinating read. It's, Paul had to deal with this, with the tension here of, just like we have in the tensions, a lot of tensions in the church here, but here was the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, Paul has to, he needs to reconcile this ten tension in the church and he needs to set the standard really because he wants to come to Rome and then go to Spain and he wants to make sure that I'm going to set the gospel in Rome and it's going to be the platform for the rest of the world. So how much more is it important that you guys get along and you understand it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus Christ, the risen Savior in our life. And Paul systematically, if, I love it, if you read through Romans, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour depending on your, your reading rate uh, speed. 
You know, the first eight chapters, beautiful, expounds on the, the lovely, loveliness of Christ, how we were yet sinners, but Christ died for us, and now He's given us this glory to those that believe in Christ. Uh, the last five chapters, 12 through 16, they talk about... Uh, how does this apply? Now that we know that we are in Christ, now that we know that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness, how much more, how does this apply, not only in the world, because we're to be a light to the world, but how about right here to our own Christian brothers and sisters? How are we to be a light to each other, to encourage one another, to strengthen and, and sharpen each other? Well, it only makes sense, but... Um, you know, to the way that Paul is writing, chapter 8, we, we read that um, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So here's the concern. It's a natural progression as you systematically go through Romans. He's asking these questions. And the question we get to here is basically, he knows it's on the minds of these people, but hey, if, if, if God has rejected the Jews, then what about us? If we come to saving faith... What happens? Well, can God reject us? So this is where he's going with his line of reasoning. And, and, uh, and in, in chapters 9 and 10, 11, it's, it's kind of right between these two chunks, the, the first eight chapters and the last five chapters. It, it talks about the nation of Israel, what's going to happen. And here Paul goes on to explain. So we're going to read verses 11 through 15. Uh, Israel's stumble leads to the Gentile salvation. So we get to the question, verse 11, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? It's again, it's emphatic, by no means, meganoita. I want to stop here a moment and explain this. This falling is, is, is not that, um, that oh, I've stumbled and I've fallen over the rock. Of course, they fell over the rock of Jesus Christ, but it's not that I've stumbled and I've gotten hurt. I need a band-aid to put on. No, the, the question really asked here, has Jesus stumbled as a... Have the Jews, the nation of Israel, have they stumbled over the rock of Christ so far that they're cast headlong into the eternal abyss, a pit of hell? We look at here a picture of the Grand Canyon uh, with a warning sign here. Um, and this is kind of what they're asking here. Have, have they fallen so far beyond recovery that they can't come back from it? And Paul says here, by no means, meganoita. And he goes on to even further explain why this is not the case that God is not finished with the nation of Israel, and He's going to back it up here. And He continues on here, verse 12, if you're with me. He says, Rather through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more would their full inclusion mean? I tell you, folks, <laughs> there is a lot to unpack in this section. Dave talked about earlier, Just sometimes there's little scripture, and we look at it, and Wow, what, what is there to this scripture? There, there is a lot of history in this scripture here. Uh, it's quite mind-boggling if you ask me. Uh, Paul goes on to explain several reasons for the stumbling. And know this, this is all according to God's plan. This is not plan B. This didn't take him by surprise. This wasn't like, oh no, the Jews rejected me. What should I do now? No, he knew this from eternity past, from eternity forward, all of eternity. This, this is God. He's in this. This is his plan. Um, I want you to stay with me, though. This, this gets a little bit confusing here, but Paul says this, in their trespass, this is their sin of unbelief against God. In their trespass, therefore, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And not only that, but salvation has come to make the, the, Gentile, the Israelites jealous. So the, the nation of Israel, their, stumbled has, their stumbling has allowed two things. 
What is that? It's, it's that salvation comes to the Gentiles. That's, that's you and me pretty much, right? We're Gentiles. We're the world. It's allowed salvation to come to the Gentiles only to come to the Gentiles to make the Israelites jealous. Uh, but just know they will not be forgotten. They will be included. As the scripture says, uh, how much will their full inclusion mean? Um, speaking to the Gentiles, like I said, that's, that's you and me. Anybody other than a Jew is classified as a Gentile, is classified to the world. Um, and and we, we have here um, an example. John Stott, he's a commentator, a, a, the, a Christian theologian. He talks about this. Uh, he says it best here in his quote. He says, It is essential to grasp Paul's sequence of thought in this paragraph. Since it recurs with modifications throughout this chapter, it's like a chain with three links. First, already Israel's fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Secondly, the Gentile salvation will make Israel envious, so lead her to restoration or fullness. And thirdly, Israel's fullness will bring yet much greater riches to the world. Much greater the riches to the whole world. Folks, do you understand the riches that we have in Christ Jesus? I think a lot of times we come, we make Jesus as our Savior, but we don't make Him Lord of our lives. We don't fall down at the feet of Jesus Christ. We don't understand where He has brought us to from the, the depths of eternity of hell to on, on, on above, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, sealed, which it's a seal that no one can break. Um, it is this eternal joy, it's this beauty and peace in the Lord that we can stand strong and confident in the day of distress, knowing that if all else fails, if you're in Christ Jesus, God will never abandon you. God will never let you down. The sealing of the Holy Spirit can't be undone in your life. And it's, it's, it's really, we walk in eternity right now. We long for our new bodies in Christ Jesus. How wonderful that's going to be. I don't think we really grasp it. It's even what Paul says. He, he longs to be in heaven with Christ because he understands that. I think a lot of times as Christians, oh, I hope I don't die soon. I get it. I got a family. I don't want to leave them behind. But you know what? I guarantee you someone dies in the Lord. They're going to be far off in a better place than here. Um, I, I hate to say that you know, to my family and stuff. I love my family. Trust me. Riches and joys in my family are incredible. But uh, make no mistake about it. Heaven is, the, the riches of heaven are, are far and above. And it's not only talking about heaven. It's here on this earth. We walk in the fullness and completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on. Um, Paul continues. And uh, he says here, verse 13 through 15. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order to somehow make my fellow Jews jealous and save some of them. Now listen up, folks. This is basically talking you and me here. We are the Gentiles again that he's talking about. And Paul goes on to say, I magnify my ministry. What does it magnify? It's I honor the ministry that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on here. I, I get to preach to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles will make the Israelites envious. Paul himself, a, a Jew... Um, he, he, he loves what he's doing. And it's really a question here of uh, make it understand, what about us? Do we enjoy, do we, do we thoroughly enjoy the ministry that God has given us? Whether it's to disciple one person, whether it's to evangelize tons of people, whether it's to be a pastor up here, whether it's to lead a small group, um, a, a knitting ministry. Do you, do you revel 
Do you revel in the kindness of God? Uh, Colossians 3, 17 and 23. And this is always from my beginning of coming to Christ has always been, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. If you're going to love your wife, do it unto the Lord. If you take care of your kids, do it unto the Lord. If you take out the trash, do it unto the Lord. You know why? Because if people criticize you, if people praise you, you know it's all to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul continues on, we read in verse 15, if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? He's again talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, this is nothing short of a miracle. Reconciliation is uh, really, he's, he's taken two parties that are hostile and, and you reconcile it, you make a peace and union and we are hostile towards God. And I love 2 Corinthians 5.18 states that... Uh, um, you know that God reconciles us through Christ who makes us ministers of reconciliation to the world. Um, make no mistake, I'm not looking at my phone to get answers here. So, uh, Christ reconciles us to God. He is the only one that can do this. This is nothing short of a miracle. You guys, we were all dead in our sin until we come to Christ and now we've been made alive. Uh, this, this reference here, life from the dead, I don't know if you guys are familiar, Ezekiel 37 is a great prophetic book. Uh, maybe study it with someone or get some background and information because there is a lot to it. Ezekiel 37 talks about the vi- valley of dry bones. It's re- it even says there it's referring to the house of Israel. But he takes Ezekiel and, and he says, uh, um, he says, Ezekiel, come up. He's, in, in this vision, he's all, look, here, here's a valley of dry bones for you. Do, you. do you think these bones can live? And what do you think? It's like, God, only you know, right? Um, and so he goes, Ezekiel, I want you to go ahead. I want you to prophesy over these bones. I want you to um, breathe, breathe life into them. And so he begins to pray. And sure enough, uh, ligaments, tendons. He sees the muscles attaching and, and, uh, and the flesh covering them. And, and they, came to, they come to life. And not only that, they're, they're rattling and stuff. And now, now God breathes on them. They come to life. It's speaking of the nation of Israel and... and uh, it's quite simply a miracle, life from the dead. He, God can take something that's dead and make it alive again. So make, make no mistake, as a Christian following the Lord, we stumble, we fall. We are not beyond, we are not cast headlong, no. Um, I love Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three. the steps of a young man that, that delights in the Lord. His steps are ordered by the Lord. Now understand that this is God, that He's the one. If you're in Christ, He's, He's leading us. If a young man whose steps are ordered by the Lord, if, if he were to stumble, if he were to fall, He's not cast headlong. No, God is, has, has you in His hands. So that's the thing. If we ever stumble, if you ever fall, we always go to the Lord, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes us right. So just a quick recap. The reason that Israelites have fallen, the reason they have stumbled is, is to bring salvation to the Gentiles. That salvation of the Gentiles would make the Israelites jealous. And that in that, there would be unimaginable fullness in the Christ Jesus our Lord. But how are we to carry on with this truth? This next section talks about, uh, the song Dave was talking about earlier is, is do not be arrogant. If the, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. I want you to know this is a tough passage, but basically what I've come to is, is uh, it really the, the dough. If the first fruits in the, the root, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's, that's the, um, we see this, this tree here. This is not an olive tree. But this is in Bonfanti Gardens. Dave took a picture of this. It's a beautiful tree. But no, if the root is holy, and that's Abraham, 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, if the root is holy, the whole lump, the whole bran- the, the branches are holy. The, the, the um, whole lump and the, the branches, that's, that's the nation of Israel. Uh, so if the root is holy, and of course, God's the one that fully nourishes the root, um, then, then the branches are going to be holy. But we continue on here, verse 17. It says here, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now you share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant. Don't be arrogant toward the branches. If you remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, well, (laughs) branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Yeah, so I must be pretty important, right? No, may it never be. That's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will you. Will he spare you? So really, it's the fear of God that we talked about earlier. It's it's, um, don't think that you're superior to anybody just because I'm in Christ. And, oh, that guy doesn't know Jesus anyway. He's going to hell. Do you really understand what you just said there? Casting someone to hell in eternity? If Jesus were to come to you and say, get away from me, I never knew you, and you were to be cast into hell for eternity, you know what? Even though as a believer in Christ and I see that, that, that rips me up inside. It makes me sad for the people that are around me. It's my brothers. It's my sisters. It's, it's um, nieces, nephews, uncles, co-workers. For those people to go to hell in eternity, and I stood here silent as I watched it by, so that may it never be that we're arrogant. And, and, and I want you to look here really quick. So we look at the, the root here, right? That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's, that's the forefathers of the, the, the Jewish faith. The branches here... That's the Israelites, some were broken off. Uh, there were still some, the, the remnant of the Jews that were saved there. But the Gentiles, we were grafted in. We're a wild olive shoot grafted into a natural tree. So understand, folks, do not be arrogant. Um, this is a, a complete gift for God. If he's, if he's taken away from the Israelites, he could surely take it away from us. So we get into our last passage of Scripture here. It's verses 22 through 24. Um, it says here, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too cut off, will be cut off. So, folks, what's this saying? Really, I mean, I think a lot of times we get in such the nuances and the intricacies of the scriptures. And, ah, oh, this is this and this is that. And it's like, you know what? What about the severity of God and his kindness? What are we to do with that? Because that's the overarching theme. All throughout the scripture, God, from Adam, Adam and Eve to... Um, to Noah and all throughout when, when, when the Jews asked for a king and he said, okay, this is what's going to happen to you. This is the warning of you getting a king. And, and uh, he, he'd tell the Jews today, stand today, who are you going to choose to follow? And, and it's really the kindness and severity. Do we heed the warning of God's severity? I praise God, thank God that someone, Romans talks about, blessed are the feet of those who brings good news. I just thank you for my Tim He's one of my informal mentors um, that I always look to. Um, I, I'm thankful that he was bold enough, even though we mocked him, we made fun of him, he was bold enough to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knew the power of salvation to those that believe in Jesus Christ and, and first to the Jew and to the, the Gentile next. He, he understood that. I thank you that he was persistent, that he gave me this opportunity to, to heed the, war, the severe warning of God. And... and uh, the question we read in here, finished up here, it says, 
but God's kindness to you, it's severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. I think some of this think, man, maybe I could lose my salvation. If, if uh, there's a passage, uh, I believe it's Mark 13, 13, that says, uh, if, you, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. But really, if you are saved, you will endure to the end. If you're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, he's the one that's going to get us through. He's the one, if he brought us into a relationship with him, how many, and I love, in, in Romans 5, 8, even though we we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, how much more being in Christ Jesus, how much more are we going to be saved from the severity of His wrath? Right? I mean, and so folks, I want you to understand here, we have a God who holds His hands out. He, he knows us. He knows what I'm going to do tomorrow. He knows the sins I'm going to commit. It's, it's, it's not a surprise for Him. How much more, if he, in, when I was a sinner, that Christ died for me? How much more now, in His in His grace and His riches, when I when I fall, when I stumble, is He going to bring me back into in, in a to right relationship with Him? Um, uh, lastly, we conclude verses twenty three through twenty four. It says, even if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in. He's he's talking about Israel. Um, God has the power to graft them in again. And he says, For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, that's us, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, we've been grafted into the nation of Israel, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Dave will be speaking next week, uh, the third part, third stanza of this trilogy in, in chapter 11. Um, but just know, God can easily break off the wild branches and, and bring in... Um, the fullness of the, the normal branches. You know, Romans 2, 9 through 10 says, uh, Tribulation and distress is poured out on everyone who does evil, first for, the gent- first for the Jew and then the Gentile. But you know what? Glory, honor, and goodness to those for everyone who does good, first to the, the Jew and then to the Gentile. It's, it's kind of God to warn his people of the consequences of unbelief and allows us to come to his kindness and bask and revel in his glory. That consequence of unbelief is a conscious awareness of eternal isolation in the pit of hell. But to those who believe, it's a supernatural walk in eternity with God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But how about you? I know we're sitting in this church. It's all nice and warm and, and family, friends. And hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great and everything like that. But do you heed the warning of Christ? Do you heed the warning that God gives us today? Are you, if you were to die tonight, knowing that Jesus who he, says who he is and, and, and know that he is God. He, he the, the authority. He's the one. He's he's the reason. When someone asks you, what's the authority behind what you believe? Well, it's, it's Christ dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. That's our authority. You know, um, I, I'm a firefighter, paramedic, and uh, I, I've seen death. I've seen a twenty week old born die. Right. Um, I've seen a 105-year-old woman die. I've seen everything in between imaginable, right? And it's every one of you in here. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven with Christ for eternity? Or would you spend eternity in hell? And really, as you see, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none who is righteous before God. Romans 6.23 states, for, for the wages of sin is death. Really, for the wages of sin is hell. It's eternal separation from God for eternity. Uh, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us, and even while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the end of Romans 
is uh, for, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, it's not just enough to know intellectually about this, but we must experience his kindness. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, if that's any of you in here today who are concerned about, hey, if I do die tonight, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? The authority of Jesus Christ, it rests on us here today. Um, come talk to us or one of the pastors here. Really quick, though, how about the kindness of God? Like how, okay, we're, we're in the fold. Um, we're, we're walking in the Lord. How do I understand? How do I know the kindness of the Lord? How, how can I really understand? Um, one, of the, one of the songs was sung there earlier, and Jenny pointed out, like, wow, that's cool. That's Psalm 1. And, and really, do you, do you guys want to know the riches of Christ? Do you really want to be, revel in his kindness? Well, let me know a little secret. It's really not a secret. Read your Bible. Read it, right, folks? Get in the Word. And let me take you to Psalm 1 really quick if you want to open up there. Um, I'm tying up in just a minute here. It says here, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You know what? Who do you think is blessed? It says here, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff. The wind drives away the wicked. Um, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the the wicked, they're going to perish. And that's the thing. um, It's it's that thing about uh, not being arrogant. Um, but if, if you really understand the people that are next to you don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and this is what compels me to share the gospel with people unashamedly this is why Paul did it too this is why Dave, Ben, Gria this is why Kel this is why we all share the gospel because we want to warn people of the severity of God so we've been talking about, I'm going to finish up here really quick uh, band you can come on up We've been going through and kind of finishing up is what does God do in all this? What is his responsibility and what is our responsibility? Well, right here, God warns us of his severity, which leads us to his kindness. That all throughout the scripture, he warns us, Old Testament and New Testament. God, he's the one that reconciles us to Jesus Christ. It's not myself. It's not my good works, philosophy or religion. I cannot do it on my own. Um, he's the one that sets us apart. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy. But what is our response? I think sometimes we think, oh, God will do all the work. He brings me unto him. And, but we do have a responsible um, response here. It's, it's to heed the severity of his warnings. We are to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to be humble to all people, but especially to the non-believers. So, folks, let's, let's close up in prayer here. Father, I do thank you for your word that you speak to us. I thank you for the severity of your warning uh, that leads us to your kindness. And I know some people are wondering, man, why, why, do you have to, why do you have to scare people into salvation? It's like put a headlock. On, and Lord, we know um, just as if, if, if someone knew we're coming to the fire department, I said, you know what, bro? That fire is awesome. Go ahead, run into the fire. It's going to make you nice and toasty. Um, that reckless abandon of me of not warning the severity of fire is the same thing. It would not be kind of God 
to not warn people of the severity of His wrath. But I thank You, Lord. I pray that You open the eyes of our hearts to Your wisdom and understanding. Uh, We just bless You for who You are, and we praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.